welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Amen. Amen. All right, so I want you to think on something. Uh, What is the most tight-knit group you've ever been a part of in your life? So I want you to meditate on that. Um, If for some, man, if you've been in the military, it might be um, your, your military unit. Uh, for some, uh, it may be uh, a sorority or a fraternity in college. Uh, maybe for some, uh, it's a sports team. Um, for some, it may just be your, your family, that you grew up in a, a tight-knit, close-knit family. Well, I want to share mine of w- one of the most tight-knit groups I've ever been a part of uh, was my high school football team. Um, now, now, I grew up a little bit farther south in the country, um, so we were a bunch of country boys, and where I come from, uh, we ain't got a whole heck of a lot to do, okay? And, and if you're from the big city and moving to Dublin, you're like, uh, less than here? Yes, less than here, okay? Believe it or not. So football's a really big deal where I come from, and so um, on our football team, uh, we had a tight-knit group because of a few things. Number one, we spent a lot of time together working out through very adverse situations. We were not very talented, so therefore, uh, my high school coach, he pushed us to the brink of almost putting us down. You know what I mean? Um, he, he really worked us hard, and, and, and so uh, we had strong uh, connection because we had gone through some adversity together. Um, we had a very strong leader, my high school coach, Uh, was an incredible motivator that he put us in the right positions and and really helped us set, uh, really helped set us up for success. And it was also just a a, a great motivator. And so we had a a common goal, which was to win a region title. So we had clarity of why we were working, who we were doing it for, and also um, where we were going, right? And so uh, with that being said, it created a strong, tight knit group of people. In fact, uh, I got to tell a story of uh, my, my high school coach was such a great communicator. We were or such a great motivator that we were getting ready to play our high school rivals. And, uh, and he was talking to us about how, how bad do you want something? You know what I mean? You ever been a part of a great rally speech where you're coach or something? Yeah, a few, maybe not many. Anyway, so, so he, he's telling us like, how bad do you want something? And he begins to tell this story uh, of an Eskimo. And he said, this Eskimo, it's in the heart of winter. He's up in the Antarctic somewhere. And his family is literally suffering for food. He's got to go and catch fish. And, uh, and so he goes out and he cuts a hole in the ice and he fishes all day and he can't catch anything. He's trying baits and, and trying all this stuff. And he's getting desperate. Like he is wanting to catch these fish so badly so that he could feed his family. Well, he looks over and there's another Eskimo, uh, man, and he is, he's just catching them every day. He catches his limit of fish and he goes home. Well, this guy is getting desperate and finally he goes over and, and my coach is telling this story and we're like, where is he going with this? And, uh, and, and so he goes over to the Eskimo and he says, hey man, listen, I got to feed my family. You got to tell me how you're catching these fish. And the guy who catches fish looks at him and says, well, well how bad do you want it? Right? And so my coach is telling this story. He said, do you really, really want it? Because if you want something bad enough, you'll do what it takes to get it. And I kid you not, in the middle of the speech, he says, okay, I'm going to tell you this secret. He said, the secret is you got to keep your bait warm. And no lie, Coach Stroud in front of everyone pulls out a live worm out of his mouth and slams it on the ground. 
honest to goodness. And man, I would have, I would have went through a brick wall for that man right then. You know what I mean? Whatever you say, I'm in. And so that's what created this tight-knit unit is strong leadership, strong vision, good values. Well, listen to me. The church was designed to be the tightest unit on planet Earth. It was designed to be, listen, this is how I would define the church. And listen, if you're new here, you're like, number one, you're probably trying to get your, your bearings down of like, okay, I'm in a theater. Um, what, is, what kind of church is this, right? Well, understand the church was never designed to be a building or a place. It was a chosen people unified with a common purpose, right? Uh, so, so take this with you. How do you define the church? The church is a community of people formed by the gospel for the mission of God. This is your accurate definition of what a church is. The church is a community of people formed by the gospel for the mission of God. Listen, our unity is formed by a man greater than any other man, and that's Jesus. It's Jesus that builds that, that unity and that culture that we're in it together because it's bound together by a greater man than any man that's ever led on this planet is Jesus the only man who's ever gonna lead for all eternity. Secondly, our shared vision is greater than any other cause on planet Earth because we have the cause of reaching the entire world, every tribe, language, and tongue for the glory of God and the good of the world. There is no other mission than that. People say all the time, like, but man, it must be uh, difficult to lead a church. And man, there, there are, in fact, difficulties sometimes. There's difficult weeks, but the church together. Right, that's one thing that no other organization on the planet has is uh, a greater man and a greater mission. And so what I want to implore you with in this message today is that we should be in gospel community and grow in our Christian unity so that the body of Christ can be built up. That's what I want you to see today. That's where we're going in the message. And so uh, number one, take this with you. What I want to show you in the passage Gospel community is what sanctifies us. Gospel community sanctifies us. And so to understand that, we have to understand what sanctification means. So sanctification is the messy process after we've come to faith in Jesus and have been saved from our sin. Sanctification is the ongoing process of becoming more and more like Jesus. I've said it many times. No one raises their hand, confesses their sin and gets saved and teleports to heaven. I've never seen it. Because we have an ongoing process of growing more and more into the image of Jesus. And so that's what uh, this is all about. And so the overall picture of what's going on in Ephesians 4 is uh, Ephesians chapters one through three, he's laying out the glorious biblical, deep, rich foundations of the truth of the gospel. If you wanna know who Jesus is and what he's done, Ephesians chapter one, one through three, study it, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. So then in chapter four, now he's moving into, hey, like in light of the gospel, this is what I want you guys doing at the church of Ephesus. And this, this letter is written to a church. And the overall thing of what he's saying in these 16 verses is, you need to grow and you need to be unified. Hear that again. You need to be growing together and you need to be unified. And so that's what he's trying to teach us. But listen, we can't grow in unity if we're not in community with anyone. Hear that one more time. You, you can't grow and you cannot be sanctified if you aren't in community with anyone. 
with other believers. It, it just makes sense. When, when we were saved, we were adopted into a family, and that family are the people of God. And so if we're not a part of the body or the family, it's gonna hinder our growth. I wanna show you this, right? And I want you to know when it comes to unity in the church, understand I'm not talking about uniformity. God from cover to cover loves diversity. He loves it. When, when at the Tower of Babel, he, he gave everyone different languages and, and spread them out all over the world because the mission is, as he spread everyone out, he's using the church to go get them all and bring them all together. Understand when we get to heaven, every tribe, language, tongue, race, age group, we're all gonna be there at the foot of the cross or, or at the throne of God, I'm sorry. And so what happens is, as the church begins to diversify um, in, in culture, in, in age, and in, in range, and race, and all those things, it gives us the opportunity to grow. And that's what he's showing them here. Because Ephesus, listen, this was a major trading port. A lot of different nations were coming through Ephesus. There were a lot of cults and a lot of just secular humanism that made this a hostile place to have a church. I mean, could you imagine when some of these people get saved, their worldview and everything doesn't just change in a moment. There's a sanctification process that has to go on. And, and so what he's saying is when, when you do life with people that are different, it requires us to grow in Christ's likeness. Well, well, what does that mean? Look with me in verse two. It says that we are to be completely humble, right? It takes humility to, to get along and do life with people that are different than us. It takes gentleness, right? Let me just say this. If you ever ran into, if you're a type B or have you ever had to do life with type A people, right? That is a rub, amen? I do it every week, right? And, and we have learned this beautiful union that makes, man, it, it sharpens and, and it makes me grow and it makes uh, the other members of my family grow because God wanted it that way because the ultimate purpose why God puts different people together is to sanctify us. Make sense? And it's the same way in the church. Uh, and, and so it, it requires humility. And then it requires patience, bearing with one another in love. Verse three, make every effort to keep unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. How many of you know sometimes keeping unity takes effort? It takes effort. And God said, I made it that way, right? We should not run at adversity. We should embrace it as a means of our growth. And that's how he designed the church to work. And then he says, this is why. Our ultimate purpose of why I want you to grow and stick and be uh, unified is because you are painting a picture of Jesus Christ walking among the earth that the church is meant to be unified. He says, there's only one body, one spirit, just as you were called to be one, to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is in, <clears throat> who is over all and through all in all. And so the focus is the goal of unity, that we do life in community and grow together. You know, the perfect example of this value is Jesus. Anybody in the house raising some teenagers as we speak? It's a whole thing, isn't it? I mean, it is a whole thing. It is interesting. Carly and I, we, we, we've kind of gone through the latter seasons of that, but raising teenagers uh, is interesting. It, it takes patience. It takes a lot of humility. It takes a lot of gentleness. I want you to know Jesus was first, really in a lot of ways, a youth pastor. 
is that, man, the disciples that he did life with for three and a half years, many believe they're somewhere between 16 and 25 years old. Like, that, we don't know that for sure, but man, I know who I was at 16, and then uh, not a ton changed between there and 25. You know what I'm saying? It, it, late bloomer in when it comes to maturity, okay? So, so, so listen, Jesus, in order to, to invest in these guys, to keep them together for the sake of training them and sending them on the world, into the world to make a difference, how many times did, uh, did he have to be patient with them? I mean, read the Gospels. I mean, my gosh, at some point, you gotta tell Peter, just, just leave, man. You know what I mean? Just, I need a minute, you know? Uh, I think about the, the Ben Affleck meme where he's got that cigarette. I'll just think about that. You know what I mean? Like, thank goodness he's the son of God, but I'm sure he's like, good gracious. Are they ever gonna get it? But see, Jesus is modeling for us who we are to be as the body of Christ. We stick with people. We don't write people off because it helps them grow, but it also helps us grow. And that's why, you know, the church was never meant to be an event to attend, but a family to belong to. Read with me in Mark chapter 3, 33 through 35. Jesus said this. He says, who are my mother and brothers? He's asked. Verse 34. Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him. Notice they were sitting in a circle. Sounds like a small group, right? Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus says we were designed to be a family that walks together. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the church? And that's why I cannot implore you enough about getting into a small group. Like, man, it would just be super weird if I say something and you got a question and you raise your hand. Like, I'm gonna be like, hey, chill. Let's wait till after service, right? Uh, because it's just hard in a large group. And that's why in a small group, we can really do life together, share meals together, and wrestle over the word of God and grow together. And man, there's nothing like that. If you're in a small group, can I just get an amen to that? It's an amen. And so listen, in doing life together, this is what I want you to know. Community is not always about our comfort. It's about our conformity to Christ. Community is not always about our comfort. It is about our conformity to Christ. I can tell you, man, the first group I was in, the only thing that group had together in common was Jesus, right? I mean, we got the, 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 the one, um, I remember her in high school, she went to high school with me and, and dude, like, it was just a whole different thing. You know what I mean? And then there was a, kind of a, a military family who like, they were just different. They were not from here, but there was such beautiful unity in that group. One of the best small groups I'd ever been a part of. In fact, one of them proposed to his fiance there at our house in front of the group. And I said, man, you don't want to do this like with your family? He said, but you guys are our family. That's what God wants for his church. So uh, listen, take this with you. If we aren't in community, it stifles our growth in Jesus. We can't be sanctified if we aren't doing life with people in community, which is the church, right? And the goal of that is to become more like Jesus, okay? All right, verses seven through 10, uh, read it with me. This is what it says. So we've got this whole unity thing. We see Jesus as a picture of it. Now let's look at more of what's going on. It says, but to each one of us, grace has been apportioned. Uh, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And then it says, what does he ascended mean? Except for that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended 
is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Take this with you. Gospel community activates spiritual gifts. Gospel community activates spiritual gifts. So there's this description of Jesus descending to the lower regions. We we did Easter last week. So Jesus died, buried, and was resurrected. And what he's saying is, by grace, he gives us the opportunity to be saved, but also with salvation, he also deposits spiritual gifts into every believer. So that means God, if he saved you, he has invested and deposited a spiritual gift from him, from heaven, in you. And that means everyone, everyone has at least one spiritual gift. So not only did Jesus save us, but he invested in us. You know, there's a parable of the talents where Jesus talks about um, giving coins to people and that amount. And he tells them like, you need to go and you need to put this investment to use to make more coins. So in other words, God doesn't give us a gift to sit on it. He gives us a gift to use it. So I wanna ask you a question. Are you being a good steward of Jesus's investment? Do that one more time. Are you being a good steward of Jesus's investment? Because I'm telling you, man, for the church to do what the church was designed to do, it takes every believer playing their part. I wanna give you an example of a small group. When you go to a small group, you're gonna see a lot of spiritual gifts on the play. This, the play. I, can, I about can't, I need some water. Anyway, um, it's getting dry up in here. Listen, there are allergies. Um, so you need to, uh, when you go to a small group, you're gonna see the gift of hospitality on display, welcoming someone in. And then there's another person that when someone's having a rough week, you begin to see the spiritual gift of encouragement come out. Right, that they just want to love and pray, and then when you go through a crisis, there's this spiritual gift of prayer and intercession that you begin to be prayed for and pray for God to move and work in your life. Well, then it moves into someone with the spiritual gift of teaching. They're going to begin to open the Bible and explain the Word of God in a way that makes sense. And then when there's some confusion or like, man, I don't know what this means, someone with the gift of wisdom will begin to impart wisdom. Do you begin to see how? There's all these spiritual gifts at work to make this beautiful picture of the whole. That's what God wanted for the church. And and this is my personal opinion. It is my belief that churches leave a lot of power on the table because we aren't activating people to get into the game. I believe the church leaves a lot of power on the table because we aren't serious about activating people to get into the game. One of the reasons I had a hard time with church growing up because I didn't know what to do. You come, you sit, you listen, you check the box, you go eat fried chicken. You know what I mean? Hit repeat about three times out the month. You know what I mean? A fourth time, I might be fishing or something. But anyway, um, we have a spiritual gift God has used to invest. I, I think back to college, and there was a guy on my wrestling team first year. Uh, I remember wrestling with him in college. And uh, um, anyway, my wife, look at here. Spiritual gift of serving. Thank you, baby. I love you. Yeah, thank you for that. That's big news. All right, we can rock out now. Okay, Um, so there was a guy on my college wrestling team who, and we went to a a private school out of state. Listen, I had some scholarship money, money, but that tuition wasn't playing. You know what I mean? When that thing came up every month, uh, I need to be calling my dad and thanking him now. But there was this one kid on my team who I kid y'all not, from day one, he registered for classes 
never went, just never did. He would leave out on like a Thursday night to go out and party. And I'm telling you, man, he would come back on Sunday looking like he went through World War III. And I mean, no joke. And then he would sleep most of the week and then repeat the process. Like it happened for like three months. And you know, then it was time to pay the piper. When grades come out, it's like, mm, you know what I mean? So what he was doing is he was not a good steward of the investment his parents had made in him. Listen, I want you to know God has invested in you the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has given you a gift to use it to build others up. And that's why when you go to small group, that's how we can help learn what our spiritual gifts are, right? Like, you know, I, I think about I see in you conversations when, have you ever had someone to come tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, you don't know this, but you are an incredible encourager. What do those conversations do for you? I, I know for me, when someone says like, hey, you, man, this is a spiritual gift you have. It gives me confidence, and then I also have the desire to unit because, use it because now I understand it. Make sense? And that's what happens in community is that we begin to learn what our gifts are and that we can build others up. So I want to encourage you, make community a priority and not only come to be encouraged, but bring your gift to build others up. Make sense? All right. Now we're gonna finish verses 11 through 16. I want you to take this with you. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I wanna stop right there. Third thing I want you to take with you. Gospel community is unified by clear vision. Gospel community is unified by clear vision. In 2018, Ephesians chapter four, I read it and God gave me a picture of the church that I have not been able to get over. If you wonder, man, I wonder what Buck's thinking about the church, just read this. Read Ephesians four, read verses 11 through 16, and I wanna explain it as best I can because I think God has a very, very clear vision of how he wants his community of people to live together, to, to operate together, and to work together. And so, number one, we see the purpose of leadership. Verse 11, the purpose of leadership is to equip people for the works of service, right? It's just like this. Um, I, I am not called to run all the plays, but my job is to call the play, and the church, we go and run the play using our gifts. I've always said it. The church was never designed to be an audience, but an army of people being a part of the mission of God. We're a lot better as an army than an audience, okay? And, and so many times it's like, it's like Tom Brady or something, you know? Uh, let me just give you an example. To come to church and just to enjoy hearing preaching is like getting in the huddle at a football game and, you know, Tom Brady brings in a play and he's like, all right, Z22, you know, red, hot route, on break, go. And the center looks and says, Man, that was an amazing call. That was amazing. Let's not go to the line and run it. Tom, would you call the play again? And you know what I mean? And so that just makes no sense. Listen, we weren't called to sit on the sideline. We were called to get in the game. And listen, you, God didn't just call you to look and see the great things God's doing out here. God wants to do great things in you, through you, and in your sphere of influence. Listen, I just wanna call the play 
so that we can run it together and see great things happen for the mission of God. In 2018, if I can just be honest, God gave me this vision. And then uh, the next year, I remember praying and trying to understand it of like, God, how do I need to structure my time as a, as a leader and a pastor? Because I'm gonna tell you what, everywhere someone's getting saved or God's moving, I wanna run like, like, like the road runner. I wanna be there. You know what I mean? I wanna be a part of it. I don't even have to do it. I just wanna see it. I, I wanna go and be wherever God's at. And God made it very clear to me. He said, Buck, if you'll just embrace my design, you may not be on the front lines, but God will do more than you could ask or imagine. He will build his church. All I've gotta do is be faithful to what he's called me to be and operate in my gift. And man, I'm telling you, since back then to now, God's faithful. He knows how to build his church. He knows what he's doing. And so we see that leaders are called to equip the saints. Now we have a clear vision for your life. Listen, we are called to grow to maturity. We're called to grow to maturity. What is maturity? Maturity is Christ-likeness. Maturity is not a seminary-level course. Maturity is becoming more and more like Jesus. It says the fullness. So, so, so what we're doing after we get saved is becoming more and more like Christ. But sadly, so many people treat conversion like the end zone instead of permission to play. When we're converted, we just got onto the field. It ain't like we got a ticket and now I can just sit back and hope all things go well. Listen, you're in the game and you got a call and your call is to become more and more like Jesus so that Jesus can get glory and so that people can see Christ in you. That's the goal, man. That's why we come and do this is like we are all on this messy, imperfect journey to become more and more like Jesus. And man, I'll be the first to tell you, I mess up every day. It is a messy, imperfect process, but the goal is clear. So listen, conversion isn't the end zone, it's permission to play. So then we see that we are called to use our gifts to build the body up. I want you to look with me in verse 15. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Verse 16, from him the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament as it grows and builds itself up in love. As the body is, of Christ is built upward, the kingdom of God will grow outward. Hear that one more time. If we'll just be faithful to do our part to grow and become like Jesus, to use our gifts to help others become like Jesus, if we'll build ourselves up into the image of Christ, right? By humbling ourselves, the kingdom's gonna grow wider than you could ever imagine. This is the picture of the church, man. Everyone doing their job, playing their part, uh, being every supporting ligament, okay? And we're unified. That's why it says in verse 14, we're not gonna be infants blown and tossed around by the waves. Like every time does some, somebody does someone to, something to offend you, you don't run the other way. Right? That's what immaturity means. It's like when we get offended, we just run. And, and he says that, no, what we're doing is we're growing in our stability of who we are in Christ and our goal toward unity of working through messy stuff. And he says there is this beautiful picture of Jesus when we commit to doing that. Doesn't that sound awesome? Is it easy in practice? No, but it's awesome. God's design is beautiful. It's beautiful. I think about it like this. Um, 
I, I love, I'm thankful for the Lord, but the Lord did not give me not one musical gift. I mean none, okay? Uh, I, I remember taking a class in college trying to learn how to read music. Might as well have been Chinese, no clue. But I have learned when a band gets together and they're all playing together, each person playing their instrument, doing their part, this harmonious, melodious, beautiful thing begins to rush out into us, right? This is the picture of what God wants his church to be. All of us play in the part. The most evangelistic thing is not a person who's preaching the gospel, it's a body who's living the gospel. Hear that one more time. The most evangelistic thing is not a person preaching the gospel. It is my belief that it is a body living the gospel. It just makes sense. This is why in John 17, Jesus prayed for us, his future disciples. He says, I pray that you guys will be unified. You'll be one as me and the father of one uh, are one so that the world may know. It is for the sake of the world that we grow into the fullness of Christ and that we work together as a body a team over me mentality, a mission over me mentality, that it's not about me. Jesus, it's all about you and we're here to glorify you and we're here to be unified around you and we're here to share the gospel with everyone that will listen. That's the purpose, that's this unity we have. But listen, I wanna bring it back to what I've said over and over and over and over again. We can't accomplish God's vision for our lives if we aren't in community. Listen to me, we can't accomplish God's vision for the church if we aren't unified in community. That it stifles our personal growth, it stifles the growth of the church so that the kingdom of God can invest, can advance in the earth, the one thing God called us to. And so I, I wanna kind of bring it here and land the plane. We're called to be unified around Christ. We're called to be in community. We're called to grow to maturity. We're called to use our gifts to edify the church. And the byproduct is kingdom growth. Now, I want to finish in verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord. This is Paul talking here. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Verses 2 through 16 will not make sense until we've been captivated by the gospel. The person who wrote this, because you're like, prisoner, eh. Well, what Paul is saying, I've been captivated by this good news. You see, Paul, instead of advancing the church and preaching about advancing the church, he was killing the church. Literally overseeing people being killed, throwing people in prison. So maybe for some of you, you think, man, I've done some bad stuff. Like, I don't know if I belong to this community that needs to look like Christ. Man, listen, the guy writing this killed people. But not only he killed people, he killed God's people. But then God gave him this free invitation that said, listen, I see you in your sin. Confess it, repent of it, come to me and I'll forgive you and I'll transform your heart and you can follow me all the days of your life. That's the gospel. And until we've been captivated by the gospel, we're not gonna desire to be in community. We're not gonna desire to grow. We're not gonna desire any of these things because we don't understand the gospel rightly. And so at our church, man, you're gonna hear it every week of Romans 1.16, we believe the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. And so today, if you have no desire for verses two through 16, it may be time to embrace verse one. 
to let the gospel become yours, man. To let God see you in your sin and say, hey, I love you. Come to me. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray in this moment uh, that you would just continue to work on our hearts, Lord, where we need to confess, repent, or God, maybe come to Christ for the first time. I pray that you would do that. And so I just want to give that opportunity first uh, for the, the church today. If you're here and you'd say, but I don't know Jesus like that. I, I don't have a relationship with him. To be honest, I don't have a desire to grow. I don't have a desire to be in community. And, and I just, I don't know what to do. And if you feel the stirring of your heart at that message of the gospel, it may be God saying, hey, before anything else, I just want to forgive you. And so if that's you today, you would say, Buck, uh, I want a relationship with Jesus for the first time. I would just ask, would you lift your hand and say, Buck, that's me today. Let's see you right here. Yep. Does anyone else would say, man, today's the day for me. Amen. Lord, for the rest of us, God, I pray that you would give us this beautiful picture of your church, God. Thank you for the value of community. And thank you for uh, how you designed the church. And God, we're just so thankful. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.